Believing in God changes your everyday life, but what if we could move beyond just our belief and live out the life that God truly designed for us to live? Join us as we dig a little deeper and go beyond our belief to discover that salvation, Jesus, and heaven are infinitely bigger than we had imagined. That's today on the podcast. This is Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thanks so much for listening into our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you, and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. We are continuing the sermon series Beyond Belief, where we are digging deeper into salvation, Jesus, and heaven. And this week, Pastor Jason looks at where the kingdom of God begins and how it eventually stretches infinitely to cover everything. But there's no need to wait for the majesty of God's kingdom. It's right here, right now. So we are in the second week into this sermon series called Beyond Belief, why salvation, Jesus, and heaven are infinitely bigger than you imagine. Really what this is doing is going a little bit further in our understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. It's Christianity 201. It's drilling a little deeper because I think the drill is worth it. I think unpacking some of these ideas in a fuller way helps us to live more fully into disciples of Jesus Christ. And uh, again, this series was inspired. I always like to give credit whenever I get ideas. Uh, This is inspired by a podcast I listened to with uh, Carrie Newhoff and Pastor John Ortberg. And uh, John Ortberg's new book, Eternity is Now in Session, uh, he was talking about, which I bought. And uh, I'm excited to read as well. Encourage you to read it. Any small group leaders out there? I also saw that there's a small group curriculum. So there you go. You may just found your next small group curriculum. Well, as we dig into this, let me catch you up in case you missed it or just by way of review, is that for most of us, we, we think of faith, especially if you grew up in a more evangelical tradition, you think of faith as a line, right? So there's the line of belief. There's inbounds and there's out of bounds. There's not believing and there's believing. And that in order to be saved or in order to experience salvation, you have to cross that line. You know, imagine the aisle down the church, right? you got to cross that line. And, and it's all about whatever it takes to get from unbelief to belief, to get from out of bounds into inbounds, to make sure that I get to be with God, I get to go to the good place when I die, I get to experience heaven. And while I don't think this is incorrect, I do think it accidentally falls a little incomplete because, I don't know, maybe it's just me and my immaturity. But when someone tells me, like, you got to get across this line, I think to myself, what's the least I can do to get across? Like, I don't know, I just, my whole life is about conserving energy, apparently. Some, some, some would call that laziness. Uh, no, no, I contend. Just deliberate. Uh, so... Crossing the line of faith, I think it turns into, okay, what do I got to say to make sure that I get to go to heaven and be with Jesus? And then that is sort of the end of a lot of people's faith journey. It's like, okay, what's the minimum requirement necessary? What's the minimum requirement necessary to get into heaven when I die? Okay, say I believe in Jesus. Okay, awesome, I'm there. 
But of course, you know, Jesus never sets this up. This never is really a possibility with Jesus. He doesn't say, okay, all right, gather around, everyone. Here's the minimal requirements for you to follow me. No, he just says, follow me. Learn from me. Do what I do. Care about what I care about. Lift up what I lift up. Be like me, as we talked a little bit about last week, is that that's what discipleship was. It was about being like your rabbi in every way. I mean, they used to dress like their rabbis. They used to uh, try to copy the way that they walked even. I mean, they really took it seriously to copy the rabbi and become just like them. That's what Jesus bids us to do. He says, come and be like me. Salvation will take care of itself. If you put your faith in me enough to follow me, but there's more to it than just simply crossing a line. So, I think then following in the way of Jesus is understanding a couple of things. It's like, okay, well, what did he teach and what did he tell me to do? And a big thing that we miss in Jesus' teaching often is just how important the concept of the kingdom of God is in his teaching. The kingdom of God is fundamental in everything that he talks about. So much so, even if you go back to Luke chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus says this, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. The good news of the kingdom of God is why Jesus felt he was sent by the Father to explain to all of us the good news of the kingdom of God. And then if you look at his teaching, it is filled with him saying the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Those two were synonymous. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. He told parables. This is what the kingdom of God's like. This is why you, know, why you should care about the kingdom of God. And even when he started his ministry, we saw last week, he, he started preaching. The first, first thing he started preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It was a touchstone that he kept coming back to in his interactions and in his teaching. So I think it's important for us to understand what that means. Because I do think it has real life, everyday implications for how we live in our way of following Jesus. So what's the good news of the kingdom of God? Well, the good, good news is about two things. Going with the baseball analogy. right? God's rule and God's reign. The good news is God's rule and God's reign. So if you imagine a stadium, a baseball stadium, that God's rule and reign have everything to do that's on the playing field. I'll say more about that in a minute. But what do we mean by God's rule? Let's start, let's start there. Is that what the New Testament describes as what happened when Jesus died and rose again? Is that there was a transfer of power when that happened. The way scripture sets it up is to say that if you can imagine a throne and Satan was sitting on that throne of the kingdom of this world. In other words, sin ruled the day. Ever since Adam and Eve, when sin broke God's perfect creation, when sin broke God's good creation, then you could say evil was on the throne and the kingdom of this world was its reign. But what happened is that when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he conquered death. He flipped the power so that Jesus, the king, was in the throne. And a new kingdom began with everybody that would follow him. We all became citizens of this kingdom of God. 
And then that leads us to the reign of God. That God's reign is over everybody who has decided to follow Jesus. Everybody who is all in, everybody who has crossed that line is part of God's reign, this kingdom of God. Now, why is this a big deal? Well, if you can imagine this baseball diagram, if you notice on a baseball field, the angle of the lines go outward. So if, if you were to say, like, everybody in the stadium or everybody around is not in those lines, they're out of bounds, so they're not in the kingdom of God, but eventually, if you were to theoretically take those lines and continue them to eternity, they would grow so big that eventually there'd be no more kingdom of this world. You see what I'm saying? It has been growing ever since Jesus. It started small with the apostles and the early followers and then the early church. And this kingdom of God has been growing ever since. And one day when Jesus comes back, the kingdom of God will completely have overtaken the kingdoms of this world. Why is this important for you and me? Because we are literally living in two kingdoms. You may have not thought of it that way, but you have felt it this way. You're trying to live like Jesus wants you to live, and you keep messing up. Keep getting tempted back to that old habitual sin. Or you're tempted to take a wrong turn that you know is wrong. Now why is that if you are in the kingdom of God? Well, it's because the kingdom of God's already here, but it's not yet here in its fullness. So we're kind of got a foot in both kingdoms at the same time. And we feel the effects of both kingdoms. And that's where we struggle. But make no mistake, the power has switched. Jesus is squarely on the throne. So, what's the kingdom of God like, though? Okay, great. Kingdom of God's growing. I put my faith in Jesus. I'm in that kingdom of God. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Jesus described it in parables. He said, well, the kingdom of God is like wheat and weeds. It's like uh, talents or investing. It's like a pearl of great price. It's like a hidden treasure. It's like uh, being invited to a wedding celebration. All those things that Jesus, all those things that were, were in common in his teaching were Where that it was hidden in plain sight. The kingdom of God is hidden in plain sight. But you can't see it. Unless, of course, you have faith. Faith is the key to seeing the kingdom of God. Here's what I mean. You could have, so back in Jesus' day, you could have just looked at Jesus... And if you didn't have faith, you would say, okay, there's a, there's a Jewish guy. Uh, he's a rabbi. He's a teacher. He's got some people that follow him around. Like, just by looking at him, you couldn't necessarily tell that he was the Son of God. If you had faith, you saw the Son of God. It was revealed to you. The kingdom was revealed to you through the eyes of faith. So, if you know me at all, you know, I always bring this back to a movie, because it helps me get it across. So in 2004, one of my favorite movies, National Treasure, comes out, all right? And if you've not seen the movie, shame on you, 
But if you've not seen the movie, here's the premise. That on the back of the Declaration of Independence, there is an invisible treasure map. But if you were just looking at the Declaration of Independence, you would not see it. You would see the blank side of the page. It's been there the whole time and nobody's seen it because they didn't have the right way to look at it. And then they find the Ben Franklin glasses. You know what I'm talking about? I was so disappointed to find out that's not a real thing. He didn't invent that ocular device. Anyway, you put on the Ben Franklin glasses and then you could see the invisible code, the invisible map. You saw it there because you had the right lenses. It was always there. You just didn't have the ability to see it before. This is also with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come near. We have put our faith in Jesus. It is literally inside of us. It is at hand. It is right here in front of us. This new way of living, this new way of being in the world is here and we're already a part of it. We just can't always see it. But when do we see it? Well, when you have faith, you see it everywhere. You see it with the teenager that goes on the mission trip. You see it in the person in front of you at Starbucks that pays for your order. Hallelujah. You see it when people are volunteering at the soup kitchen. You see it when somebody shows compassion to somebody else. You see it when somebody forgives somebody who didn't deserve it. You see it everywhere. You see signs of the kingdom of God all around you. But you have to have faith to see it. I've had times when I've been uh, praying and I feel the kingdom of God is near. I don't know how to explain it, but I see it. I've had times when I, I was talking to somebody who I hadn't talked to in a long time and, and something, an idea came out of my mouth that is normally something I wouldn't say. You ever have that happen? Um, I, you just feel like you're supposed to say it or just kind of comes out and then the person's like, whoa, you've been reading my mail? How did you know? I'm like, I don't know, I'm not that smart. I just, just came out. That's the kingdom of God at hand. The kingdom of God is here. We are part of this kingdom. And we are helping God to move it forward. You just need faith in order to see it. And I love, I love the way God the Father set this up. That the glory of the kingdom of God was revealed in what? A crucified king. A king who laid down his life for all of us. That's the kind of God we have. So, what's it look like in God's rule, in God's reign, in the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God looks a lot like Jesus. It looks like true freedom and justice, comfort, peace, mercy. It's where we can see God. And we participate in this forever kingdom now. As John Ortberg's book says, eternity is now in session. It begins with a relationship and a bid to follow. Here's Jesus teaching on it in Mark chapter 4 about the kingdom of God. So when, when he was alone, the twelve and others around him asked him about the parables. 
He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. And, you know, I think in part, one of the reasons he taught in parables is because if you didn't have faith, you couldn't see what the heck he was talking about. So if he told you a story, you'd probably remember the story. And then when he came to faith, you'd be like, oh, that makes sense now. Jesus was such a good teacher. And, and his rhetorical style of teaching was so amazing. And it had um, so much pressure to it because he would he'd a- answer questions with questions, which must have driven everyone nuts. It's not my favorite way to learn. But it made you think. I love that. Anyway, that's an aside. Again, he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. So what's he saying? He's saying the kingdom of God may have started small. It started with Jesus. But it's going to grow from these humble beginnings into something unimaginably and infinitely big. You may not realize it now, but you are participating in a kingdom that has no end. Kind of like Walt Disney. Hang, hang with me. So in 1928, Walt Disney comes out with Steamboat Willie. Now, if you're, if you're like under 20 years old, this cartoon's lame. Don't bother. If you're nostalgic at all about Disney, it's interesting. So this was the first cartoon, apparently, 1928, that had sound. And I was like, really? That must have been really boring. Watching Anyway. And Walt Disney himself was the voice of Mickey Mouse. A few years later, Walt Disney is with his kids at Griffith Park in Los Angeles. Griffith Park, the Griffith Park Carousel. That's the actual carousel. And uh, I was amazed it was there because I grew up going to Griffith Park. You know, I've been to that carousel a million times. Anyway, he was there with his kids one day, and he... After the carousel experience, that's when he was inspired to build Disneyland. Fast forward to 2018. Walt Disney Corporation held eh, about $100 billion worth of assets. They own everything. They own ESPN. They own Luke Skywalker. They own Indiana Jones. They own Marvel. Who was asleep at the wheel, man? They, they own everything. It's amazing. Who would have thought that Steamboat Willie would have gotten to this $100 billion empire? It is unimaginable. And I think what God says to us is, you ain't seen nothing yet. Do you think that's amazing? Look at what I'm doing in, doing right in plain sight. I am growing my kingdom that has no end. Just take it some of the facts of Jesus. That's like the kingdom of God. It will start small and may seem insignificant, but will grow exponentially. 
I think of Jesus, right? Traveling rabbi. At the time of his death, had basically zero followers. Or there were roughly three who were at the cross. Everybody else had fled. Within 300 years, Christianity becomes the official religion of the Roman Empire. Spreads all across the Mediterranean, all across the world. Billions of followers. So many so that we change the way that we date history. B.C. and A.D. The effects of Jesus Christ are so widespread. I dare you to think of a discipline that has not been influenced in one way or another by Jesus. Art, music, literature, technology, commerce, philosophy, religion. Everything. Absolutely everything has been touched by the influence of Jesus Christ. Architecture, even how even building nations. Jesus has changed everything and he's not done yet. He won't be done until we all are part of this kingdom of God. When he brings all of us within the baseball field to play the game. We're not just spectators. We're participants. We're players. And he will transform everything. And here's the thing. Here's where it kind of lands in everyday life. How will this kingdom grow? Through you and me. Yeah, God does the work, of course. But he wants us to share the kingdom so that people from the kingdom of this world can cross the line, can understand what it means to live in the kingdom of God, to live in God's way. And man, they are craving for it. They are craving it. People want another way to live than the way they've been living. I often think of a close family friend who, years ago, we always used to admire him um, because he sort of he had everything. He was very wealthy. We used to go and, when we were kids, just try to sneak a peek at his car collection. He had this cool pool in the back of his house that had like all these rocks and it was like kind of like Disneyland at his house. And after we moved to the Northeast from California, we heard that he took his own life. And our whole family was stunned because we couldn't understand it. We couldn't understand, wait a minute, he had absolutely everything. He had everything. He had the job, he had the family, he had all the toys, he had everything. People are desperate to hear about God's way of living. They might not know that that's what they've been missing. They need us to share that with them. By the way we live, by the things we say. Is there a line? Of course there's a line of faith. But I think it's just as much, not about you know, us getting into heaven, but about getting heaven into us. So that when we meet other people, they see the heaven in us. They see the kingdom of God in us and they want in. And this transformation, it, it changes everything about our life. And Jesus talked about this. How should we pray? Jesus said, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? He said, how should we pray? Pray for the kingdom to come.
How should we think about other things like money and relationships and health? He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We live in the kingdom of God by making God our number one pursuit. And this is where it all lands. This is where it all comes home. Because this is a piece that we all struggle with. We don't always make God our number one pursuit. I don't want to give you the false idea that somehow you're going to execute this perfectly in your life if you're following Jesus. Like, you will make God your number one pursuit, and amen. It's a daily decision, moment by moment. It's a struggle, and you're going to lose sometimes, and you're going to win sometimes, and that's okay. Just think, if you increased your success rate by half a percent, you know, we're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere. But I want you to prayerfully consider today how to make God your number one pursuit. And here's what I would suggest you do. Think about what is getting in your way from going all in with God. Maybe you have a lingering doubt or maybe there's a situation. We all have something that's holding us back just a little bit. Some of us have things that are holding us back a lot of bit. Whatever it is for you, I encourage you this week to put that before God in prayer. Say, God, here, here it is. Here it is. I, I don't know what to do about this, but I can't seem to get from here to there where I want to be because I'm stuck. Give that over to God. I promise you he will show up. I promise you he will start to help you work through it because he wants you to. So let's do it. Let's go beyond belief into genuine discipleship. Amen.